The following is a presentation of the Eagles Sports Network. Hello and welcome inside episode 8 of our podcast, Mossy Creek Conversations. I'm the voice of the Eagles, Adam Cavalier. Pleased to be joined by and welcome in a Hall of Famer from the class of 2002 for Carson Newman, the first two-sport All-American in Carson Newman Athletics history, and a professor of kinesiology at LSU, Roy Hill. Thanks for taking some time uh, out of your day and, and joining us here on our Mossy Creek Conversations podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm uh, excited about you know sharing some <laughs> stories. Uh, the first story, at least, that we have to go on based on the biographical information about you and all of those 1960s press guides, came to Carson Newman without any athletic aid, a true student athlete. What made you come to Carson Newman? What made you come here uh, without any dollars in your pocket? Well, actually, I came to Carson Newman for two reasons. Number one, my brother was here. My brother was... um, three years older than me. And of course, everywhere he went, I followed, you know, so um, he was here. I didn't know why. Other than that, I came because Coach Holt wanted me to come and play baseball. And so that's, that's what I did. You know, I came to play baseball. And um, uh, back then, I can remember tuition for the semester was about $400. So, uh, you know, it it was the right (laughs) price. (laughs) I wanted to play baseball. But um, I think the first semester, I really just kind of looked at the buildings and tried to find out where I was. But, um, yeah, that's that's the reason I came. And then, of course, I did go out for basketball. Uh, That's so bizarre to hear that you go out for basketball, it sounds like, on a whim. Uh, and and here you are, one of the best free throw shooters to this day in school history, an All-American, played on a team that was uh, the only team in school history, ranked in the top ten in consecutive weeks. Uh, what happened with that decision and that sparked such a prolific career? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went out when you could still go out. Uh, n- number one, playing two sports at a school now is almost impossible. Uh, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, people go to play two, but eventually they end up playing just one. But I was very fortunate to uh, to go out to the team. And I think it's an interesting story. Um, Coach uh, told us in the tryouts that he was going to keep 15 players. Well, he ended up keeping 16. And it was uh, and then, of course, these are stories after the fact. But uh, he said, I decided to keep 16 because I didn't know who was worse, either you or Ronald Combs. <laughs> and so, well, that's great. So, uh, you know, I went out for that. And then at the end of the year, at the end of my freshman year, and I can say that was pretty bad. But um, I could use my brain a little bit. And Coach was one of those uh, people that he wanted people who could think. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I could do was think. And so, but he called me in and he said, look, he said, you're a good baseball player. He said, uh, you know, you probably have an opportunity to uh, do something later. And he said, the reason I'm telling you this is because really, um, I don't think you're going to be in my plans for the future. You know, um, you know, you'll probably never play here. And so he said, but I will say that if you do come out next year, I'll probably keep you because, you know, we need people <laughs> like you <laughs> who, who 
who practice hard, who don't say anything. And that's, that's what I did. You know, I was always my brother and my parents always, you know, you, you do what you're supposed to do, keep your mouth shut and whatever. And so I did, I worked hard. And so he did say that. And so that lit a little fire under me and uh, I went home and uh, a guy, another guy that played there, Bob Black played football. Mm -hmm. He, we went to high school together and he lived just down the street and I used to go down to his house and we'd work out a little bit with weights and stuff. And then I would go to the gym and I'd shoot the ball. I mean, I would shoot I'd, all day. And so and that started it. And then I came back and then got a little bit better. And even coach told me later, he said, you were so good. You were so much better as a sophomore. I didn't believe it. Okay. So, but anyway, and then it, it went on and I got lucky. But one day in <laughs> practice, what happened? We had some great athletes. Um, Danny Mac Pierce was one of the starting guards. God bless his soul now. Um, he got mad in practice, and he threw the ball down on the floor. And I was standing on the sideline, and Coach didn't – he usually says, uh, give me give me Doug Moody or give me mm -hmm. uh, you know, Gil Luttrell, give me whoever. And he just said, uh, give me a player. And so I stepped on the floor. And so when I stepped on the floor, because uh, he ran Danny Mac off, <laughs> uh, he um, it was one of those things. Honestly, I can say I never left. I mean, it's kind of like a, yeah. a Lou Gehrig story or whatever. Not quite, not quite that <laughs> important. But you know, uh, I worked hard. I shot. I could shoot. That was my basic thing. Is I, I could shoot. And within uh, coach's system. You know, I was valuable, um, but that's about what I could do. And so, there's so much with you historically that's you know interesting to touch on. Uh, the runs that Carson Newman baseball and basketball both had uh, in in your time here in the early '60s is is remarkable. Uh, but let's let's focus on basketball first. Um, what are you five eleven? At least that's what the yeah. the press club the, the press guides say. I don't know uh, if they're yeah. like me now. That might get embellished an inch or two. But <laughs> yeah. five five yeah. eleven, and your senior year, uh, you shoot fifty six percent from the field. How does a guy that is five eleven be that efficient? What was your strategy? Well, Co Coach Campbell was an offensive genius, to put it mildly. Yeah. Uh, he, we went to Oglethorpe one time to play them, and they made us look really bad. They ran the shuffle, and they played real good defense. And then when he came back, we kind of implemented all that. And he took the shuffle, the Auburn shuffle. It's a continuity offense where you set a lot of screens. And so uh, he tweaked it, and all he, they set a lot of screens. And so um, I got open. And, uh, you know, I was able to hit it. But the reason I was able to shoot that was because I would say that in the summer I shot 500 shots from different spots. Mm -hmm. And then I shot 200 free throws every day. And so um, that made me somewhat valuable. And um, so Coach always told me, you know, you play because you can shoot. <laughs> but uh, – but we always thrived on defense, too. He really uh, thrived on defense. And every game, he would assign a guard to play the best guard and then somebody inside to play the best forward. And you always wanted your name to be called. 
you know, Roy, you take this mm-hmm. this guy because he's good. Well, he never called me and called my name. So I went into him. I said, Coach, you know, I, I want to play defense. I want to guard this guy. He said, Nah, no, you're not playing because you can play defense. You know, so uh, I just, yeah, every and I, I think that I forgot to go to class a lot of times. I lived right there. <laughs> I lived right there. At the barn, the barn's gone now, but you probably know yeah. uh, some history on it. it. Was right there next to the field house, and so when I would go to class and come out, I'd go to the gym and shoot. And so that's that's basically what I did. And uh, and and basketball then was a lot slower. You know, you didn't really touch anybody or do yeah. anything. So uh, you know, it, it's fascinating to hear you say that, and yet. Your senior year, the team scores 2,500-plus points and is still uh, the seventh most point scored in the season in school history. Uh, clearly, Carson Newman basketball at the time got up and down. Another one of your teams uh, averaged more than 80 points per game, and that's without the three-point line. You said that Campbell was a, a basketball genius. How revolutionary did it feel being a part of that at the time? Well, yeah, it's we we wanted to run. He he didn't. We didn't really run, and we didn't really press, you know. Uh, and we wanted to run. And so one night he said, "Look, no rules. I just want you to get the rebounds, and I want you to get out there as fast as you can." And of course, we had some we had some pretty good players, mm-hmm. and we loved it. Oh my God, <laughs> we get to run. And so we played like uh, uh, somebody that we were going to beat, like Milligan or somebody like who, who at that time were, they weren't very good. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> they weren't very good. So we ended up beating them like one ten to like seventy five or eighty. Yeah. So he comes into dressing room and he said. Great, great. He said, but I would rather beat them 80 to 50 rather than, you know, having running up and down the floor. Because, of course, when you run, you make a lot more mistakes. And that was another reason I could play is because I didn't really, I took care of the ball. He, he loved taking care of the ball. And so, so that's why we never did run. But we always did score a lot of points uh, because we were disciplined. We did take good shots, and so that's a little bit about. You're a, you. We talk about Dick Campbell. Uh, you really, you have you were coached by some of the royalty, uh, not just within Carson Newman, but I think in AI in general. Between Frosty Holt, uh, a Hall of Famer in a number of Halls of Fame, uh, same goes for Bobby Wilson on the the baseball diamond as well. What connects those three men as great coaches and guys that are still talked about today? Well, they were all very similar, of course. I feel very fortunate that I was able to play for all three of them. They kind of molded me, molded my life. Like I say, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I came to Carson Newman, but when I left, I knew what I wanted to do. They were all disciplined. They, um, I don't have anybody I can compare Bobby to as far as looks or things like that. But of course, um, when I see Nick Saban on TV, mm-hmm. and of course he was at LSU for a while, and so I went to a lot of the recruiting meetings and stuff like that uh, because we would have people on campus, 
and I listened to him talk, I really thought I was listening to Coach Campbell. They were very similar in statue, very similar in looks, short people, um, knew what they wanted to do. Um, and for Coach Holt, I always, a little bit different, but I always looked at Woody Hayes. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Woody Hayes, I saw Coach Holt, uh, very fiery. Um, they weren't men of many words, but uh, they demanded a lot of respect. And of course, I think I was scared to death most of the time to even <laughs> to even talk to them very much. But uh, they were just, um, and they taught me a lot about just life in general. You know, just uh, I still do some of the things today. I mean, you know, sports always teaches you to be on time or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, one thing he said: if you're if you're early, you're on time. If you're if you're on time, you're late. And so. Um, Little things like that, but they uh, they were just so great to be around. And um, <laughs> Coach Wilson, I was there just one year. Uh-huh. Uh, a great guy came in and um, really loved playing for him, but a really re- more of a relaxed personality, uh, but a, but a great guy. And I was real fortunate to uh, play for all three of them. To what? Um, to what degree were they coaches, and to what degree were they educators? Um, they were coaches, of course, when practice mm-hmm. came. It was organized. You knew exactly what to do. Uh, educators, uh, they were always teaching us about how to act, you know, uh, when we would dress for a game or how we dressed and how we acted and what we did after we played, whether we won or lost, we acted like good sports, uh, good winners, good losers. Um, they were, they were always going beyond just teaching the sport. It's always teaching us about life. Let's focus on your junior year. Uh, for basketball when 30 and 40 win a third straight VSAC title win a third straight NAIA district title uh, and then make a run to the NAIA tournament's final four uh, where you lose in the semifinals to a future Philadelphia 76er in Lucius Jackson uh, and future NBA all-star uh, sure what was the level of appreciation for the quality of competition that you were facing uh, in that tournament that you had at that moment? And how much of that carries over now? Yeah. Um, the NIA, NAIA, I think it still exists, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so. And um, I don't know if they still have the same tournament, but it was always held in Kansas City. Yep. It's always 32 teams. And it was one of the greatest tournaments. And you have to play five out of six days. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> we we had a very, very, very good team. We had a, a bunch of good players. And the first game we played, we were down 16 at the half, and then somehow we won. But, uh, but then the next two or three games were really tough, really tough games. And um, – we got to the semifinals to play Luke Jackson, Pan American. Yep. 
and we played um, very well. To this day, I, I really uh, think about we should have won that game, and eventually we felt like we should have won the national championship. I think I had, you mentioned earlier, I think I had an opportunity to win a basketball national championship and a baseball championship. Um, and what an honor, of course, that would have been. But um, we played Pan American down near the end, and um, we made a mistake. They had a last-second shot. I remember going in, uh, I think they stole the ball with about 50 seconds left. And Cove, we went over to Coach, and he said, look, you got to play the best defense you've ever played in your life for about 50 seconds. So um, we did. The ball got loose with about two or three seconds left. It rolled over in the corner and literally got picked it up and threw it at the basket, and it went in. Mm. And that's kind of how we got beat. <laughs> and then uh, we played, although we did come back and win third place, we played yes. in Fourier State from Kansas, and they beat Rockhurst. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a heartbreaker. It was really a heartbreaker. We, um, but we really prided ourselves, Coach Campbell, prided himself and look, we got to get over it. Would you want to win this trophy or would you want to win this trophy or whatever? And uh, so we, um, we came back and, and, and played really well. And uh, that was a heartbreaker. And then even the next year was uh, a, a bigger heartbreak. Yeah, lose to, Transyl- lose to Transylvania yeah. in the district. We had played them earlier in the year in the Marstown tournament and had kind of handled them pretty good. And then, we just got we got beaten overtime at home, and we had aspirations of winning the national championship. But yeah, that was. What sort of life lessons did those moments teach you that you still apply to this day? Well, you, you just have to learn to take uh, your disappointments because there are going to be some. You can't be winners all the time. You know, it's easy to be. Um, excited and to be, um, I guess, boisterous or whatever when you win. But when you lose, um, you have to you have to give credit. You have to um, be tougher. You know, you just have to be competitive. You always have to give your best shot. Uh, we um, we prided ourselves on. I prided myself on, okay, you may beat me this time, but it, it taught me to always play hard the next time and uh, be the kind of competitor that uh, when a team or a person sees you, they say, oh, wow, I don't want to play them again. I don't want to play him again because they're going to be tough. You know, whereas some people, when they get beat, they kind of lay down or whatever. But, uh, you know, those some of the things that yeah, I think about. We, we mentioned uh, Lucius Jackson and Pan American, but you look at the top ten from uh, your junior year when the Eagles were were ranked uh, for three straight weeks in the top ten. Evansville was number one uh, for much of that time, led by Jerry Sloan. Um, High Point was number two the groundwork being laid for Tubby Smith to be one of their all-time greats. And then number three was Winston-Salem State, uh, 
led by Earl the Pearl Monroe, and then fourth, right. uh, Pan American and Lucius Jackson. Obviously, internet didn't exist, exist then. Uh, how much knowledge was there of these other teams, these other players as you were playing, and how much knowledge of these were your contemporaries, these were your peers as a quality basketball team did you acquire uh, later in life? These, um, we, we never did really have um, much information on those kind of teams. Um, uh, we just, coach would, uh, you know, give us a little scouting report. And, you know, uh, I, I look back at central Oklahoma that we played in the quarterfinals in Kansas City. And uh, they were so good. They were so good. And, and coach told us, he said, uh, if you if you come out of the lane, I'm going to take you out of the game. You've got to make them beat you from outside because you know they were so good. But um, yeah, we it's just um, I think preparation, you know, taught me a lot about preparation and getting prepared, and uh, always had our meetings and you know went over teams and players, and uh, it's all about um, personnel who you're playing against. And it's not so much about uh, what they do offensively or defensively. It's what what uh, what the players uh, on the other team are like. And, um, you know, we just tried to prepare. But preparation, I think, for everything uh, was taught uh, in those situations. You said that Frosty Holt was uh, the man that drew you to Carson Newman, recruited you. Uh what did he do that sold you on coming here to play baseball? Uh, just, just his personality. I mean, he just, he loved baseball. I loved baseball. It was close to home. Um, it was, it was one of those things where, uh, I liked him, but when you come and actually be around him a lot, you just, you learn to love him. He was, uh, he was a good man. He was a funny man. He was uh, one one story I want to tell about recruiting. Coach Campbell would always uh, go in and like he might be looking at a basketball player in Knoxville. He'd say, "Well, he'd go into Coach Houghton and say, Coach, I'm going to Knoxville tonight, and uh, I'm going to watch a basketball player. You want to go with me?'" And he'd go, "Oh, no, 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 I can't go. Mama's going to be, you know, she'll be." so upset and everything and, and coach Campbell go I think he plays baseball and coach Campbell went, what time we leave you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was a baseball player involved he would uh, <laughs> yeah, he would he would want to go for sure but he he was uh, he was great uh, some stories about him he uh, I'll never forget we played we played Emory and Henry the last I think it was my sophomore year uh, we were okay. We weren't great, but we, my sophomore year, we played Emory and Henry. The last uh, games of the year was a doubleheader. We went up there and we got shut out twice. And Coach Hope had phlebitis. You know, he had trouble walking. He'd always sit in a chair, and he would always, um, you know, if he had something to say, he would stand up, but he wouldn't come out too far. Mm-hmm. But when he did come out, he'd come out to the foul line and that was it he wouldn't go any further it was almost like the field of dreams he couldn't step over the foul line because you know <laughs> it wouldn't be a good deal but uh we got shut out twice and 
the bench was real close to the cafeteria. Okay. And he basically sat in the chair on the bench while we went into the cafeteria, ate our food, came back out. The bus was sitting there. He was still sitting on the bench. He came on the bus and he said, I don't know if I'm taking you to the VSAC tournament or not. He said, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I can do that or not. And, you know, that's all he said. And then a couple of days later, we go to Belmont. Uh, we lose the first game. It's a two out of three. We lose the first game. In the second game, we're behind like in the third inning, four or five to nothing. And then we proceeded to get 10 extra base hits in a row. Uh, Ten in a row. I mean, it was an, an incredible. And of course, he stands up. He walks to the, <laughs> while they're making a pitching change. Call the fire department. They can't get us out. <laughs> he, he was so funny. He was so funny. And he, he was, he was, uh, he was a, a simple man, but very competitive. Very competitive. Had the most complicated signals in baseball that you would ever want to have his um, his steel sign was just, he would take his finger and just go, he'd just flip it, you know, and it, his bunt sign was, he would just take his hands and go like that. <laughs> and then if, if he wanted you to uh, hit and run, he would just touch his face. And then the last thing we had four, I think he had, um, we had a squeeze where he put his hand, everybody ready? And we always said, yeah, we're ready, and so is everybody else. <laughs> so so is the other team. But it, it, he always believed, and it, it was it was true. He always believed that, okay, if you hit a foul ball, okay, uh, everybody's looking at the foul ball. They're not looking at me, so you look at me while a foul ball's going, and I'll give you the signal. You know, so, but uh, he was just, uh, he, he was a great man. I was, uh, I was Glad for Bobby Wilson, but I was sad that in his last year, you know, he wasn't able to, to, to win a national championship. But, yeah. you, you look at that, your senior year and winning that title. When did you get the sense that that team was special? Oh, wow. You know, to win a championship, you probably know this, you, you got to have good players. Yeah. We had some good players. And, of course, we had Mr. Superstud, Clyde Wright. And um, Clyde had probably one of the most incredible seasons mm-hmm. in history. You know, you probably already know the stats and everything. Uh, we would always go to Georgia Southern every year for the district tournament, and they would always beat us. And then uh, – this particular year, we go down there and we beat Georgia Southern, and I think that's when we really knew how good we were. And we went to, uh, uh, I think, St. Joe, St. Joe, Missouri, mm-hmm. and um, we had good pitching. What Coach Wilson did, as much as anything, was we had we had three or four good pitchers. And we played just about every day during the year. But what he did, he put them in a rotation. And um, we didn't wear Clyde out. Coach Hope had a tendency to wear him out. Uh, but uh, 
we put them in a rotation and basically uh, after the first two we had Mike Levi and we had Clyde then after the first two we had some good pitchers but they weren't you know of course Clyde and Mike yeah. and we played the University of Omaha in the finals of the winner's bracket and you always have people come through that's one thing championship teams have you have people who come through and we had some people that came through and one of the guys that really came through was john manning that six six big left-hander wild as a buck which made him good but he he throws a one hitter he throws a one hitter against omaha and in, in the winner's bracket finals and then um, we sit out and then of course clyde we're playing in the championship game and Clyde walks the bases loaded, and we're still real good friends. I think he and I might have been the two senior starters, and I think everybody else was sophomores. But anyway, that's right. I go to I go to Clyde and I say, "What in the heck is going on?" He said, "Roy, my ball is moving so much I can't control it." I said, "Well, I think it's about time that you do control it." <laughs> and I think he ended up striking out the side. They didn't get any runs, but uh, but we we knew we were pretty good. Um, then, oh, after we won at Georgia Southern, we really had a good feeling about our chances. So pretty pretty early on, uh, that's about mm, six games or so deep into the season, uh, looking at the the uh, 66 media guide. Uh, and, and then you bring up uh, the St. Joseph's tournament. After that, you turned around and played the University of Tennessee and walloped them uh, 12-3. And eight two. What do you remember about taking on the the volunteers? Well, we loved beating those SEC teams. Uh, you know, I think Florida came up here too one time. I'm not sure we, we might have played them at some point, but maybe not that year. But it, it was always fun to beat Tennessee. We always liked to go down there and beat them, and they came came to our place quite a bit. But um, yeah, that was. Um, that was a lot of fun. Of course, I was from Knoxville, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. Let's provide some context. On you, you brought up that you and Clyde Wright were the only uh, senior starters. Butch Coulter was the only other senior on that team. Uh, how did that dynamic work? Bringing along the likes of, uh, granted, Clyde's little brother, W.A. Wright, uh, Gene Lively, uh, bringing on a very strong sophomore class, you two being the the only two upperclassmen starters. Yeah. It, they were just such um, such good kids, not only just good good athletes, but good kids. And, and we all just seemed to to uh, get together. And of course, that's always a really important dynamic in a team is the fact that they like each other and that they play well together. And, um, uh, but they didn't, uh, yeah, they didn't brag and they didn't, they just played and it, it worked out. We, we just, everybody did their part and ended up being a, a good thing. You, you look at that, stretch run and the playoffs you lead the entire tournament uh in hitting uh for the postseason run uh hit uh, north of 450 uh for for the tournament what was it do you remember about your bat that started clicking late (laughs) 
I don't know because it never happened before, but no. <laughs> it was one of those things that maybe I bunted about five times. I don't know. Maybe I got five bunt hits. But, uh, I do remember a couple of things. Okay, this is kind of interesting. I really never did pull the ball. I always hit the ball almost to the right of second base. You know, and I remember one time I always looked at the field to see where everybody was, and I noticed the shortstop was almost behind second, you know, and I thought, what's he doing over there? And then I figured out, well, you know, you're not going to hit it over there. But I did hit one through there, which was just a ground ball to a regular shortstop, but he wasn't there, so I got a base hit there. But the, the one thing that I do remember is that we the, the first game, you know, Clyde pitched 13 innings, mm-hmm. and he struck out 22. Still a school record. And, yeah, and so, um, and then of course the game was called because it being late, it might have rained or something. And so that whole night, they had put in a, a pitcher who was a little left hander who was throwing curveballs and he was getting us out for about two or three innings. I hadn't faced him yet. And so I, uh, I was the leadoff man in the 14th. And, um, I asked Coach Wilson because he didn't like for the leadoff man to really, you know, swing at the first pitch. And I said, Coach, I know what he's going to throw. Can I swing at it? Sure, go ahead. So I got a base hit. And then, of course, it led to a run, which we won. Uh, and the other thing that I remember is that one time I um, got up and I looked at the right fielder, and he might have been five feet from the right field line, <laughs> you know. But, but, but I hit a ball down the right field line, which got by him, and I ended up uh, uh, having a triple. But those are two of the hits I remember. The rest of them, I don't, I don't know what happened. But I do remember this. Not only, and we talked about championship teams, you have to be good, mm-hmm. and you have to get a little bit lucky. Yes, absolutely. And so here it was, the bottom of the eighth. They put in a guy. I've never really seen somebody throw 90 miles an hour. And if you've never seen it, and I don't see how they hit it today, it looks like a little pea. (laughs) And I get up, and I'm leading off, and this guy's throwing it, and it's like, ooh, what was that? (laughs) And then he throws another one. I go, ooh, I didn't see that one either. And so it, it it works the count to three and two, okay? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm stepping out, and I'm going, okay, no use trying to swing now because you haven't swung at the first five. So I thought to myself, okay, if he throws a strike and you take it, just act like it was outside or high and it was the umpire's fault, you know. So I had it all mapped out. <laughs> well, the guy threw it. I still didn't see it. I had to turn around the umpire. What was that? It's a ball for. Oh, okay. So I go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm on first base, and I got no clue why I'm there, okay? I take a little lead off. Guy throws it over there. Well, we're taught, stay on the base until the pitcher gets on the rubber. So I'm still standing on the base. Well, the pitcher gets it, and he's not on the mound, but as he starts to mound, he turns to throw, thinking maybe I'm off the base, and he throws it in the right field. Now I go to second. Holy mackerel, I'm standing on second. I haven't done anything. And it's funny. Now, Butch Coulter, the, the name you mentioned, he was coaching third. Okay? Coach Wilson wasn't out there. He put Butch on third, and I'm looking at 
Butch, I said, Butch, Butch, okay, let me know. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, Lively, who was a really good hitter, really good player, uh, I think he hit 400 or something like yeah, that. But four, anyway, 478, still the, the single season yeah, record. Yeah, I mean, I knew he was going to hit this guy. I mean, I think he could see it a little bit better than me. But he always pulled it most of the time. But this time, this guy's throwing so hard, I'm thinking, he's going to hit it through the hole. So I, I checked the left fielder. He's kind of shallow. It had been drizzling a little bit, but it's kind of shallow. So I, I lead. He hits a shot. I mean, I'm a shot to left field. I mean, I'm headed to third, and Butch is standing, Butch, 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 Butch. And he kind of freezes. So I just take off. I just go home. And I score, of course. Ends up being the winning run. But when I get there, we we're all high-fiving. Oh, you're the luckiest man out here. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, the guy picked it up. He had it before you even reached third. He said, he's getting ready to throw, and it slips out of his hand. I mean, it's like, you got to be kidding me. I got on first. I got on second. The guy drops the ball, and we score the winning run. I mean, it's uh, – but, but I think we were the best team. But, but anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of what happened. But as far as me leading the tournament – I don't remember only those two hits. So yeah, it must have been and, and, cl- and clearly <laughs> the, the most impactful was the one that wasn't a hit. That was yeah, you. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny how you got to get some breaks, got to yeah. get lucky, got to be good. And of course, Clyde struck out fifteen that game, mm-hmm. and I think I don't know thirty-seven. I don't know if he still. I know at one point he he had tied that record with Ray Washburn, but I don't know where he is for that. The, but we're still good friends. He still lives in California, and he is still a Jefferson City boy living in <laughs> living in Los Angeles. <laughs> How To put some context into his senior year, because uh, it really is just absurd, uh, hits 453, 13 doubles, 13 home runs, uh, three triples, drives in 54 in 117 at-bats, and then pitches 6-0, .77 ERA, threw a no-hitter against Tusculum. Uh, was that expected of him, or was this him blossoming into a future MLB player in his senior season? He was probably the best baseball player I ever saw, and I – it. It really actually surprised me that he went as a pitcher. There's no question that he was a great pitcher. Uh, but I did hit against him in high school and got a couple of hits. <laughs> 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 but but uh, he was just, yeah, he hit the ball so hard all the time. Uh, I mean, it's like we were playing uh, Union one time. They were undefeated. We went down there to play them to go to uh, Georgia Southern, I guess. And uh, he hit a home run, and we got up three to two or three to one, something like that. And then about the eighth inning, it, it came a downpour. I mean, it was just raining like crazy, and they were yelling at us from the other dugout. You're lucky it's raining, all that stuff. And, of course, Clyde, he was, he was great. He yelled back, yeah, you're the one lucky because I was getting ready to hit another home run. 
but he he was just uh, every time he got in to to bat, you didn't think he would make an out. But if he did make an out, it was it was hard hit. It wasn't a, wasn't anything fluky about it. It was a know? screamer. Yeah, it was a screamer. Yeah, he, but uh, he definitely was the man, and uh, had a lot of confidence in him, and he produced. Let's face it; he had a good defense behind him too, though. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. I saved one no hitter from him. I think a Tuscan game or something. <laughs> he I knew this guy was going to hit it up the middle, and I got it. <laughs> Whatever. I was talking with uh, uh, Alan Morgan. Uh, he's the one who facilitated uh, this Um, one of your teammates former AD here Um, and he said you had the quickest hands he'd ever seen outside of Bill Mazeroski now Alan has been known to tell a tall tale or two uh, (laughs) but uh, defensively what made you tick as as an all-american second baseman you know, I loved playing defense. It was just great. And uh, I had a great high school coach, and he taught me so much because he was a second baseman also. But, um, you know, just I, I just I loved it. I tried to mostly – it's all about positioning, you know, knowing hitters. Like, went through the lineup, and the next guy came up the second time. I knew what he did before which, which kind of helped me a little bit get in the right position. Uh, but he taught me a little bit about how to turn the double play. And yeah, um, I did have one, uh, Scott, we, we turned, I think five double plays one game. Can't remember where it was. We, we turned five double plays and he was a compliment, compliment about me to be bragging or anything. <laughs> he, uh, he said, I've been watching you a long time, but I realized that all those double plays were because the way you handled it and turned it and whatever. But, but that was nice of Alan to say that. But uh, all I say about that is you just haven't seen enough good players. <laughs> if, you think I'm, if you think I'm as good as Bill Mazzarossi, you haven't seen enough good players. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, what what sport do you hone in on more uh, as you uh, reminisce? Is it your time playing baseball or is it your time playing basketball here? Basketball. Wow, that's a tough question. Basketball, I love because of what Coach said. Coach said you'll never play here. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 I just yeah, I, I like that. Uh, baseball. I think today, I think I was a little better baseball player, but not that good. Um, I love baseball. I love playing baseball. Um, I love listening to it on the radio. I love listening to sportscast. You know, people because they're always telling stories. Yeah. My least favorite way was to watch it on tv but but anyway baseball yeah baseball probably um i really love i mean to this day you know i do a lot of fantasy baseball stuff like that but baseball i really uh yeah i think that's my first love Uh, although when i left i kind of wanted to be a basketball coach yeah and and were you you were an assistant for 
yeah, for Dick yeah, Campbell for a little bit. And uh, coached at Cobb County High School there for one year. And, uh, you know, but I, yeah, I wanted to be a basketball coach. And then down the road, I gave it up and ended up at LSU. You know. As you and I were uh, chatting and setting this up, uh, as a, an engaged alum, you were asking about uh, the current men's basketball season a lot of it you know what are we doing with covid and uh all all this madness but uh one thing that you mentioned was uh chuck benson uh and that you like what he brings to the table what is it that chuck brings to the table watching from afar that uh you enjoy especially as you reflect on who you played for yeah i um I, i saw a couple of his practices and I just love the way he coaches. I love what they're doing. I love the, the how fast it is now, uh, how you can really play. We were so restricted in some ways. We were really restricted. As a matter of fact, one, one story about how restricted we were, we played Western Carolina one night, and they beat us, and um, uh, the coach, Gudger, I think it was his name, he, uh, Coach Campbell asked him, he said, well, what did you do? He said, well, we, we got up in your face because we knew you weren't going to go around us. And, and that's basically what Coach said. He'd say, look, you can go to the basket, but if you go, you better make it. So we were all jump shooters and set shooters unless you kicked it inside, you know, mm-hmm. on the shuffle or something like that. And that's kind of like in, in baseball, uh, Coach would say, okay, you can steal anytime you want to, but when you do, you better make it. And if I give you the signal and you get thrown out, then, you know, it's okay. But yeah. if you go, so that's the same way. And so I just love the way he coaches. I love their drills. I love, uh, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed watching him. Move on uh, from your time at Carson Newman and uh, professor of kinesiology at LSU. How did your experiences at CN set you up for success professionally for a lengthy teaching career? Sure. It's like, like I said before, it's just the whole discipline, you know, and being <laughs> organized. And, and uh, you know, one rule I had, I got to tell you a story about Odell Beckham. And he's a good kid now. He's a really good kid. All the kids I had, I was in sport management, one part of kinesiology, sport mm-hmm. management. And um, I had a lot of athletes, a lot of baseball players like uh, Bert, uh, Bregman. I had Bregman and, you know, I had Odell Beckham and I had the Honey Badger and I had a bunch of people. And they were all in, always in class and always very respectful. Um, no problems. Good students. Um, I had a rule that at class time, I closed the door. You can't get in. Okay. <laughs> well, it was kind of like basketball. You, you got to be there. I got to pause for a second because as I was prepping for this, I came across ratemyprofessor.com. And okay. the top rated comment about you was uh, once you to su- pros, once you to succeed, cons, uh, don't be late, the door is shut. So. <laughs> Whatever LSU so you knew about that. I knew about you that. You've been doing the background check on me. I don't know like <laughs> anyway, please yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah. But so I have a 730 class, and these people are going, Coach, it's early. It's early. I said, nobody made you sign up for it. 
So you need to be here. Well, I always gave them a little, one thing they said, Coach, you can't, you know, I would close the door, then call roll. So what I did, I would say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. At 7.30, I'm going to call the roll, which I had like 50 people. So it would take, you know, five, ten minutes. And then I'll close the door. Okay, so I did. I closed, uh, and then I would close the door. I would walk mm-hmm. to the door. And when I walked to the door after I closed, after I checked the roll, which was five or ten minutes later, Odell came in. And I almost didn't let him in, but I said, okay, come on in, but I need to see you after class. <laughs> so, okay, so he comes up to me. I said, Odell, what's, what's up? Uh, you well, you know, I got hurt last week, and I was, work- I was in the training room, and he's working on my neck. I said, really? Okay, well, let's not let it happen again. Okay, so happens again. Okay, almost the same scenario, Odell. You talk to you, bud. Yes, sir. So, what's up? Well, the trainer, you know. I said, I tell you what. Why don't I talk to the trainer, and then I'll call Coach Miles, and we'll kind of get this straightened out. And he was like, uh, it's okay, Coach. I won't be late anymore. You know, so he's using that trainer as an excuse, and and he wasn't ever late again. But uh, you know, uh, a good kid. Um, you know, I guess. Yeah. Roy, greatly appreciate you taking uh, some time to reminisce uh, and, and chat about things. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on that I haven't asked? Oh, wow. You, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I hope, uh, I hope it's been fun for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just, yeah, Carson Newman to this day uh, means so much to me. I wish I could do more than I do, but um, – yeah, it, 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 it made me. It made who I am and uh, how I think. And, and I think it's all been positive, I hope. And, uh, you know, just like I said, the preparation, uh, yeah, just I love it. I love it. And I appreciate, um, appreciate you having me. How much did it mean to you with that in mind when you got that call that you were being inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2002? Well, I think that's one of the greatest honors you know you can have, and I was really appreciative. And I just, you know, I have been lucky all my life when it comes to sports. I've always been at the right place at the right time. <laughs> And, you know, we did, we did, you know, I did play, we did play in South America one summer Mm -hmm. after the national championship, we played down there and that was lucky. And then I was supposed to play in a college league baseball, but I turned it down because I wanted to go play basketball. And my only claim to fame outside of um, Carson Newman and LSU is I caddied in the Masters in 1987. Really? Yeah. I caddied in the Masters. Uh, the uh, the pro, uh, the head golf coach here, Buddy Alexander, mm-hmm. won the amateur in 1986. And so uh, there's a story behind that, but we don't have time. But uh, he, <laughs> I, I caddied for him in the Masters in 1987. And Masters tradition is that the amateur champ always plays with the defending champ. Well, in 1986, Jack Nicholas won the Masters. So in 1987, I uh, 
carried in the Masters, and Jack Nicklaus played with us. <laughs> and somebody said, well, did you get his autograph? I said, no, but he got mine. <laughs> but, yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, the whole thing has been, uh, and this is, yeah, the Hall of Fame was great. Uh, this has been something that I've really enjoyed and appreciate, you know. Uh, I'm just glad we were able to get Zoom to work. That's what I'm thankful for. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Could you imagine in 1965, uh, how many years later, this is higher level math for me, that this (laughs) this would be taking place? Could you imagine in 65, fresh off the party line? Yeah. Never in my life would I imagine what's happened to me. Uh, I've been I've been so fortunate, and uh, really, uh, as someone would say, they used to say, uh, "I don't even know how to spell engineer, but now I are one." You know, and I always thought I was an all American. You know, I don't. That just blows my mind because basically, I was not the best player on our basketball team. I mean, I was far from it. I mean, we had some great players and. But uh, it's just one of those things, I guess, that happens. Roy, been a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your day and chatting with us. Well, thank you so much for being patient and getting me on Zoom. (laughs) And uh, I hope to be back to – I come back to Knoxville. My nephew still lives there. I'll come up to Carson Newman and and say hello. That is two-sport All-American Roy Hill. I'm the voice of the Eagles, Adam Cavalier. This has been another Mossy Creek Conversation. Thanks for watching, and thanks for listening.